0: All right. We got here. Pierce Woodward, founder of Brand Pierre. Super excited for this one. We connected through Alex Sedlak's group. If anyone doesn't know, Alex Sedlak crushes in on social media. I found him on TikTok a while ago. And once I found out that he was creating like a networking group, I was like, all right, I don't care how much you got to pay for it. I'm hopping in and I'm going to meet some people. I saw Pierce hop in. He talked about how he's from Utah or how he moved to Utah. That's interesting to me because I know a lot of people out in Utah. Super beautiful there. The air is just different. I digress from that, but also, you know, talked about how he built a, a seven-figure brand, you know, from scratch and in his early twenties. So always interesting, and figured he'd be a great addition to the podcast. So thanks so much for coming on, bro.
1: Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's it's, it's super exciting. Thank you for the the introduction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can. I, I'll give everyone a a quick little two minute so they can kind of understand who I am. And yeah, please tell us how I got into my business and whatnot, it's kind of a unique story. So back in, this was sort this have been 2019. So would have been about December of 2019, me and my family, I was 17 at the time. And me and my family decided we wanted to go and travel the world. We, <laughs> I guess it keeps going further back. We were Mormon actually. And so we found some things out about the church and we left the Mormon church. And if you're, li- and we were living in Utah at the time. And if you're living in Utah, you leave the church, especially back in 2019, it's, after COVID, it's kinda of a little bit more acceptable, but like your entire community is the church, you know? So we just had a lot of just backlash from that. And we're like, we need to just escape. And so we sold everything. We sold our house, we sold our cars, we sold furniture, our everything, just liquidated it all. And we headed off to Orlando. We rented a place for three months and we were gonna go travel all over. The, kind of like the British Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, all that stuff. And then and Florida it was going to be like a little home base, come back for a week, go out for a week somewhere, whatever. So we're doing that about a month in and we're in Puerto Rico, we're hopping on a cruise and people start talking about COVID on the cruise. So we're just like, well, what's this, you know, what's this virus, whatnot. And then by the time we get back to Puerto Rico, all the locals, restaurant owners, everything, they're telling us, hey, you need to get back, like you need to get back to the States. They're going to be closing out the airports. I, I was like, no, like, we're not going back. We have, we had a flight to another island. I was like, we're not going back to Florida right now. I was like, we have flights. And my parents were like, like, this could be serious, whatnot. And I was like, I was like, I was actually really bummed. And so we end up flying back, and two days later, the airports closed or like not, you know how it was. So you yeah, can't just yeah, like, yeah, we it was shut down. down. So, yeah. So then my whole life kind of just, I I've never experienced depression. And that was just something that just hit me where I was, I was stuck in Florida. I didn't know a single person in Florida, obviously just got there. And I'm a big relationship person. I need people around me. I need friends. I need all that as does anybody. And so I was just in this kind of rut and I I previously did social media kind of just like when TikTok was first coming out, it was kind of cringy. It was kind of funny, all games, whatnot. And I gained about 200,000 followers And at the time that was, you know, that was pretty good on TikTok, but I hadn't leveraged it. I didn't do I haven't done anything with it. It's been almost six months, maybe a year because people were making fun of me in high school. I let those opinions get to my head at the time. And you know, I'm in Florida. I don't know anybody. So I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything. Nobody else is doing anything. I'm going to start posting TikToks again, whatever. So then I start getting into photography. I buy a camera and I start documenting my photography experience onto uh, TikTok. So and then, and then it's kind got, it's got, I do these like self portraits, whatever. So I'd set up the lighting, I'd pick the location. I would show me styling the outfit. It'd be like a 30 second montage video. And then I'd show the end result of the photos. Those started gaining a lot of traction and model agencies were reaching out to me. So then at this point I've gained about three, another hundred thousand, maybe to 200,000 more. So about 400,000 followers on TikTok. I'm probably at like 10 K 20 K on Instagram. And I had Wilhelmina and IMG models. Is that the right name? I don't know. I think it's IMG. Two of the top agencies in the world. They have Bella Hadid, whatever, the Kardashian of whatever. So I was like super excited. I go down to... Well, they had to wait for a while because COVID. But I ended up down in Miami two, three months later, doing my photo shoot, whatever, getting on to the website, becoming a quote-unquote model. The life didn't plan out to, to be what it was. And I wasn't getting as many deals, whatever. I wasn't making any money. I was being like $1,500 a month. Mind you, I still was 17 And then I started getting brands brand deals and whatnot. And then that was when I hit another rut where I was just posting all these brand content on my feed. And then that was kind of the click where I was like, Hey, if brands see the value in me promoting their products, that means I have some sort of value. I have some sort of marketing technique. I could do my own product. And that was kind of the click for me. This would have been, this would have been right around, I guess I was, Oh, I was, no, I was 16 when we moved to Florida because I turned 17. And that's when I was like, Hey, by the time I'm 18, I want to have a hundred K in my bank account. So it was a 17th birthday, May 3rd of 2021. Yeah. 2021. That was when I was like, hey, I'm going to do something. But the COVID restrictions, whatever, were were leaning up. I made some business plans to start this clothing brand, whatever, but didn't take any action as a lot of people are, you know, it's just like, you, you have all these ideas and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to, to really get into that action mode. And then I went to Utah back to visit my friends for two or three months, and it was great experience. Whatnot, came back to Florida because we still had our place there. COVID was still a thing. We did a little road trip, whatnot, and then that's when I buckled down. I, I literally I deleted Snapchat. I put my phone on D and D constantly. I never had it active, and I was like, "It's, it's time." Like this is I have, and at this time now was eight months, nine months to to grow my three thousand dollars into I had to have a hundred k. I'm being about eighteen, so. That's when action started. I started thinking of multiple ideas and I realized that I needed something different. I can't just do a clothing brand. Everyone has a clothing brand. There's nothing unique about a clothing brand. So I, I hit up my buddy in high school or from high school that used to do spoon rings. And I was like, yo, what are the tools to do spoon rings? Whatever. At first, I was like, I'm gonna use spoon rings to be the back end of the business, and then I'm gonna sell the majority of the clothes. So the spoon rings, I started just making spoon rings for about a month, just figuring it out. And then finally I was like, all right, let's post a video. So I posted a video. This uh, TikToker, she's about 12 million followers now. Her name is Anna Shoemate. She commented on the video. She's like, Oh my gosh, I need one of these. So then I hit the reply button with a video and I made a video making a ring for her. And then in that video that I posted, it got like 350,000 views. I was like pumped. I was like, this is sick. Vinny Hacker, who's a, a very famous TikToker, commented on that video. He's probably got like 25 mil on TikTok. and. I was like, shit, okay. So then I make a video about making a ring for him. And then Noah Beck comments on that. He's got like 35 mil. Now nah, it's just kept growing. And then James Charles and then Dixie D'Amelio. And then I made rings for the whole D'Amelio family. And so it just started growing. It just started duplicating. And the Vinnie Hacker one, when I launched that video... So I'd only post like three videos about spoon rings. When I launched that video, I, I had 24 spoon rings I made and posted. I created a Shopify store. I bought a printer. I bought packaging all in 48 hours. I was like, As soon as that Amstreet wow. video went, I was like... It was like off. I I was at Michael's every day. I was on Amazon every day. I literally didn't sleep for forty eight hours, and I was like, I have to launch because I know. Like, what's that one guy who owns Mint Mobile? What's his name?
0: Ryan Can Reynolds. Name?
1: Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, uh, yeah, he owns Mint Mobile, and he yeah yeah, yeah. He said the reason they're so successful is one technique. It was called fast marketing, where it was like you you find something that's trending, you find something that's going on, and you act fast on it. And I I remember like him saying that one time in an interview. And I was like, okay, I have to act fast on this. I'm going to post the Vinny video. The video video did like 2 million views, sold out 24 rings in like two hours. Actually, I think it was like a full day. It was like a full day. And I was like, so pumped. I'm wrapping it up. I'm wrapping it up. Yeah. So then we... Or no, then I then I just kept expanding it and expanding it and just doing drop after drop. And then about three months in, my dad actually came on board to do the back end of the business because I couldn't even handle it. And he wasn't really doing anything at the time because of COVID. He had a consulting business. And... Then our, our third month, we did 105 k in sales on our third month just off of spoon rings, like bending spoons. We had a whole operation, turned the entire garage. I hired five of my best friends. And then within four months from then, we got a whole house and expanded it, started designing jewelry. And now all I do is I design my own rings. I don't do spin rings anymore. I do stories behind rings and whatnot like that. But it's all jewelry. And I'm expanding into necklaces and bracelets right now and I am doing unique clothing drops that are also tied to the jewelry but that's a two minutes turn to ten minute recap on kind of like who I am what I am and and everything I'm about
0: I love it man I love it that's that's an awesome story and what it's happened so quickly a lot of people talk about like and and you played the long game but crazy enough the long game ended up only being two three four years in the, in that world right so I want to go back because one i I love the fact that you know you built this brand and a lot of people Early on in their personal branding, they start to lose touch with their audience once they just start taking on a ton of brand deals and then the audience can start to realize like, hey, you don't actually believe in this shit. You're just selling out for a check, right? So then once you actually start to utilize your own stuff and leverage your brand for things that you like, people are happy to give you money. Like, I just listened to a podcast on My First Million, if you're familiar with that podcast, Danny Austin. She had this awesome brand and she was doing all these brand deals, but then she started her own company, 40 million in sales in the first year. Insane. It's a crazy case study but I want to go back to the early days of when you initially left the Mormon community, because I'm not going to say that's unheard of, but it is, it is a huge decision when you're in Utah. I'm familiar. I've been to Provo, Utah many times, which feels like the Mormon capital of the world. And unbiasedly, it feels fucking weird. I'm sorry. I'm just going to like, it feels like it's (laughs) there's, there's a lot of ambiguity behind it if you're not involved in the community. And so like Tell us a little bit more about like what led to that decision, what the lifestyle was before, and why you guys had to get out.
1: Ooh, interesting. Real quick, I'm curious. Wait, what was the product that that lady?
0: It's like scalp care. I forgot what it's called, like Divi or something like that. Yeah, it's like literally it how like g- girls losing hair. It's it's like scalp okay. medicine.
1: Hair loss? Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how would it been about? 14, when it all kind of started, and so you know we were we were as Mormon as it gets. Like I say, like I say, cult Mormon. When people try and like they're like, like, <sighs> what do you mean you are Mormon? I was like, nah, nah, nah. Like, it wasn't like we believed in God. It was like, oh, we, you don't buy anything on Sunday. You don't, you don't swear at all. If if like this is this one <laughs> this is a funny story. So if if a movie like if we went and saw a movie and it said the Lord's name in vain, if it said, oh my God, we would leave the movie theater. Like, wow. that's how crazy it was. Like, it was intense. Yeah. And nothing like, and the curfews were just super strict. I never was able to stay out late. Like, it was just like, you just had to be a perfect child, get good grades, whatever. There's just a lot of this perfectionism in the church. Like, you can't be, uh, like, if you, if you masturbate, you can't pass a sacrament. So all the, all the kids that are passing the sacrament, they're all lying to the bishop, but the bishop, you have to go sit down with the bishop and he asks you if you are touching yourself. It's, it's an interesting experience for sure. And so, I, I never thought anything was weird. I, I never thought like, I, I grew up in it. That was everything I knew. So, but my parents started getting really quiet, started getting like really distant when I was 14. And they were just in the room, like all day, all day. Like I'd come back from school and it was just, they would just be in the room and they would just be like reading books, whatever. And so like, if I ever saw my mom on the, on the couch, she was always on her laptop. And I was just like, so curious what they were doing. Didn't ask too many questions. I thought maybe it was like, <laughs> honestly, I thought it maybe was like a divorce or something. And so- then about, about three months of that, I they came to us and they were like, Hey, we found some stuff out about the church that we don't like and makes us uncomfortable. And we want to ask your opinion if you want to know, or if you want to stay just like, we can pretend this conversation never happened. We'll take you guys to church. We won't be attending, but we will drop you guys off each Sunday. We'll pick you up, whatever. So I have a younger sister who is, she's six years she younger than me. So at the time she would have been eight. Oh yeah. She was about, because you get baptized at eight. So her baptism was coming up like six Mm. months. She was supposed to get baptized. And so they were like, Mercedes, if you want to get baptized, you can still get baptized. And I, at first, because I was like, I'm talking super Mormon, good kid, like didn't swear. I had a 4.0 GPA. I was at church early every Sunday. I was in Boy Scout. Like I was the golden child Mormon kid. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to know. I really didn't. I told them I didn't want to know anything that they found out. And then my, my, one of my best friend's family left. And then she, she was telling me like, Hey, like you should talk to your mom. Cause my mom, they're, they're my mom and her mom were best friends. They would go on walks every morning. So I, I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, I, I want to know like what you guys found. Is it like, is it substantial, whatever? And so kind of what they found was just, I won't get into too much about the church in case anyone is uh, listening That's in the church. I I have high respect for the church because of the people that i know that are in it that i do amazing things that are great people there are some very very amazing people inside of the church just like anything there's also some terrible terrible people inside of the church and the church is also a complete tax fraud and scam but yeah that's that's kind of there's there's a lot of stuff with how the book of mormon was written i'll just kind of list some stuff i won't go into it but how the book of mormon was written the history behind joseph smith the history behind yeah. And then it goes into the Bible stuff too. And then the copy, the copycats of the, the stories in the Bible. And then also the, the business structure behind the church, they have literally hundreds of billions that they do not talk about that has just become public. We found out in 2016 that they were basically using tithing money and investing it. And they we thought tithing money, everything, everything you put into tithing money, either built churches, built temples, or went to the needy. But when they had to report, only point zero six percent of the tithing money went to charities and wow. helping people. So that just gives an example of, and, and I mean, they li- they literally with tithing money, and then they just got dinged for this. They just they built ten years ago or so in Salt Lake City. They built a billion dollar mall, and it, I mean, it's an insane mall. But that was all tithing money, and they said it wasn't. So there's a there's a lot of stuff behind the business of the church, and then there's a lot of stuff behind the religion and and how the Book of Mormon was written. I mean, I don't know if you know the story, but Joseph Smith literally, and, and they, they, they claim multiple different things, but now their story is he looks into a hat and there's two stones and God puts the words of the scripture on the stone. It's fucking insane.
0: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you being super open about it and I'll, I'll, I'll do my <laughs> own due diligence as well on that side. So thank you there. So, so let's fast forward now. So you're out of the Mormon church. You guys are doing all this traveling and you move to Orlando where you know nobody. And that's scary because you're young, you need connection, you decide to now COVID happens, you decide to get into this like radical personal development journey. What did that look like when you first started? Like what books were you consuming? Like how, how did that process start for you to get attuned to that world?
1: Yeah, for sure. My dad has always been an entrepreneur, very, very high highs, very low lows, as any as any entrepreneur. And I kind of saw that my whole life. And instead of kind of pushing away from it, I kind of liked it. I liked the sporadicness. I liked the the times when we were completely broke and like literally couldn't eat out. And then I liked the times when we were traveling every month, and he would call me while I was at school and check me out. And then we flew to South Carolina. Like it, there was always ups and downs, and I kind of liked that adventure. And so I, I had that. I had that backbone a little bit. But what really, honestly. <laughs> the, and this is this is so cliche, but what really got my gears turning was Rich Dad Poor Dad. It was on mm. my my first my first trip to Europe. I think it was right before we left the church or right after we left the church. And my dad, I was like, I oh, want a good book!" And I'd never i never read before. I didn't read novel or uh, like adventure books, whatever. And then he he's like, "I got a book for you." So he hands me Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, you know, it's a quick read. So I'm on the plane and I and it's a ten hour flight. I didn't put it down. I read the whole book. And I like the entire Europe trip. All I could think about was just like, I need to have my own business. I need to like create something for myself. Like I want to create generational wealth. I want my kids to be able, I want my kids, kids, kids to be able to have some sort of backbone. I never want anything given to anyone. I want people to work for, for their stuff and, and, and have learning experiences, just having that safety net. But that was kind of the, that, that original of my desire. And then the next, the next thing was when I was, Fifteen before we were even planning on on selling everything, but we kind of left. We weren't really telling people about the church thing. I oh my my uncle, who yeah, my uncle Dave Woodward. He was I don't know what his title was at ClickFunnels. Are you aware? I think we I talked about
0: yeah, this yeah. before.
1: Yeah, so he was like a high up in ClickFunnels and. I was telling him, like, hey, I really want to start an online business where I really want to um, create funnels for people because I always watched like funnel hacking live. I always watch like all these things on, on website stuff. So I do this 30 day challenge. He gets me in. He doesn't make me pay for it. It was really nice. And I do this like funnel hacking live 30 day challenge. And I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to start getting clients. I'm going to have, my, I'm going to create a funnel for my dad. I'm going to create a funnel for this. I'm going to create a funnel for this. Then I'm going to create my own funnel, whatnot. And that was the, that was my summer when I was 15. And so when school started, I, I just didn't have time to have energy to do it. Obviously, excuses. And then yeah, that was that. I really resonate with
0: what you said earlier, but the, the rich Dad rich that Poor that because that was one of the the first books that I read. And once I got like a whim of that cash flow quadrant and I realized like, hey, I don't want to be an employee. Hey, I don't really want to be self-employed. I want to be on the business owner and the investor side. Once that hits for the first time, it's like it's different, man. Like your whole worldview just changes because Even if you do have entrepreneurial parents, I come from a, uh, my dad owns a contracting company. We've always been very high middle class, but the same ups and downs that you experienced, I feel the same way. Like it, it really does hit so different. You start to see the world in a different way. And once that happens, like just so many more opportunities come right? So like you then layer that on top of another book, then you start listening to podcasts, then you start networking and the same conversations that you were once having six months ago hit differently because now you understand the world, right? And then you lean into mentorship and that, that whole world. It almost like, I almost miss it. The fact that when I was, when I really started the personal development journey in like four or five years ago, every single day I had that wow factor of like learning some new piece of information that was like a shock to my whole belief system. Yeah, And it was like the coolest time of my life because I'm just like, I didn't really care about much money at the time. I just care about like the feelings that inspired because I knew the money would come. But it's like that that vision and that dream that starts to get built in your head. And then you apply work ethic behind it and you start to realize that, that like logic, math and science tells you that you're going to hit this. And like everyone that's reading these books, if you just execute it, it's going to happen. And, and But like that first wave of that personal development journey, if people are listening and they haven't started it yet read that book, read like a book, like the alchemist, in my opinion, is a really good one. Things that like a couple of those that get you on that spiritual vibe as well, like really trying to live it out, your personal legend, things that really hit differently. Uh, You you gave a reaction to the alchemist. Tell me a little bit more about. Well, no, I was just gonna
1: say, honestly, I think that is just as important if not as important as the business side of things. I think there's one thing and there's, there's a cup like in this, you know, personal development, business, entrepreneurial world. You meet a lot of people who are not, not, I don't want to say good people, but they are just in their head. Like they are, Mm -hmm. their ego controls them entirely. Their desire for this wealth, their desire for this lifestyle, their desire for this non-existing persona of them is so strong that they lose complete touch with themselves. They lose complete touch with their business. And I've seen it countless times and it makes me so sad because like I'll have a conversation sometimes with, with someone who has a business or they want to start a business. And they, these are even people that don't even have like, these are people that like just read rich dad, poor dad or whatever. And they're just like, their ego wants it so bad. And that's why when you said the alchemist, I, it's, it is so important that your spiritual side is just as strong as your business motivation. You should have the same amount of desire for your, Your connection with yourself and whatever you believe in, if that's God, if that's the universe, if that's manifestation, it doesn't matter what it is, but some sort of spirituality, some sort of connection to yourself, some sort of connection to something that's bigger than you, that you can humble yourself and be like, Hey, this isn't all about me. This, I want to do this. I want to create this lifestyle so that I can have beautiful relationships. I can do amazing things with amazing people. I can help people. I can help other people become amazing. I can do all this stuff. To give back to the community, and I think there's a there's a shift that needs to happen there with a lot of people, where it stops becoming about themselves and it becomes about the, their community. And I think in an entrepreneur's journey, that is the most important thing is so finding awesome. out what your what your purpose is
0: on the money on the money right there. And, and that's what a lot of people come to me when they're first getting started out, or even if they're, you know, starting to see success in their business and they're like, Hey, I'm stalling or, Hey, I really want to get this business to a certain amount. My first question is like, what does your personal development look like? Like, what are you reading yeah. right now? What are you listening to? How's your relationship with God? Or like, do, how do you feel about yourself? And a lot of the times they're like, dude, I don't want to read that bullshit. And I'm just like, you don't understand that this is the whole point is that your income is a direct reflection of your personal development. And even if you get the money and you're a shit person, it's horrible. It is a bad, I've seen too many, like the world needs better people with more money. We don't need people yeah. to not be rich. We just need better people to be rich. <laughs> that's, I like so it's, that. I like that. I like and, that. It's so so true. It all it all starts within, man. And that's why I'm, I'm a huge believer in like almost to a point of like toxically worrying about your personal development because- if any struggle that you're facing in life, whether it's business, relationships, health, if you simply just focus on your own personal development, it trickles down and takes care of itself. That's it. You 100%. have a problem in your relationships? Work on yourself. All that stuff. Go ahead.
1: Totally. No, it's it is, it is so true. It, especially the relationships side of things. It's it's your relationships are a reflection of you. If you're surrounding yourself with people, if you're like, if you're looking at your community, and you're like, this isn't who I am. Then it's like, Hey, start working on yourself because your community will directly reflect who you are as a person because that's who you want to spend your time around. And, and you'll notice, like, are these people that are around you? Are they good people? Are they like motivating you? Are they, are they giving back? Are they loving? Are they showing respect? Because that'll, that'll reflect like who you are. And it's that famous thing. It is is like the, this one saying is like the quote, the Bible to me. Which is like your, the, the three to five people you spend your most time around is a reflection of you or whatever that, you know, the, the, the actual yep. quote is, but that is, it is so crucial. And so it, it's so important that you're working on yourself because people that are the, that are quote unquote higher, not in a comparison level, but that are just like more in tune with who they are and are better in business. They're, they're not spending time with these egomaniacs that are just like controlled by the system, controlled by this desire. That's not who they're spending their time around with. And so if you want, if you want to level up focus on, stop focusing so much on the money side of things, start focusing on, on who you are as a person. The money will come because like when you, when you get that in tune, it's just a, it's a road.
0: I I do a presentation on it all the time. I, I travel around and speak on this stuff. And I have a presentation that talks about pretty much how to crack the code to having success in life, not just in business. And the number one, the number one thing starts with making yourself valuable. The second you start making yourself valuable, leaning into your personal development, getting wiser, understanding mechanisms and systems and just how to make friends like in a good way and how to network, you start to say no to a lot of things that you once said yes to, right? For example, like your good friends back home, they are awesome. And I love my friends back home. They're great people, but they are not on the same trajectory as I am. So now, now that I'm making myself more valuable, I know that I want like to be in a circle of better people. So I'm going to say no to smoking weed all the time. I'm going to say no to sports gambling and hanging out in the room all the time. That doesn't mean that they're not great and that I don't love them, but I have to be valuable first before I can go, you know, start bringing value to others per se. But that that leads me to my next question is how are you able to, because like you're in Orlando, you start this business, you start to see success and you, you have this brand. How are you able to start building a network and starting to get around more people? And how did that start to really amplify your business growth?
1: Ooh, good question. So as, as far as the the business side of things, so like employees and friends and whatever, I actually, so funny, so I started, I was just like, and and this, this goes not even back to this, just goes to a new topic, but share. Like just share your story as much as possible. I hadn't posted anything about me moving to Orlando. So then I, I posted a video about me getting into photography because I moved to Orlando. I made a vulnerable video. And vulnerable. Oh man, I could have a whole. I could have a whole hour talking (laughs) vulnerability, but that's. I mean, yeah. If you If you want to get anywhere in life, be vulnerable with people because that that is a just like you you give you receive when you be vulnerable, people be vulnerable with you, and you build a stronger connection. And that that is how I build all my connections. All influencers I have connections to, the business people I have connections to, my family. The reason I have deep connections with people, the reason relationships are the most important thing to me, is because of being vulnerable. But besides that,
0: (laughs) where, where where what was the I was just talking about, well, I, I love what you said because vulnerability relates, but the back end of the question was like, how, how did you really start to leverage that into more business growth? Cause I know you're doing like these brand collaborations and stuff. Like what is, what was your strategy around building out a network to propel you into this business?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, So basically that I had a, so I posted that as being vulnerable. And then I had some people hit me up and just like, Hey, I live in Orlando, whatever. And so I started making some friendships, which uh, did help my mental health a lot for sure. And then five, five of the buddies I met kind of all through started doing a um, spike ball the time, whatever. And then they kind of, I met them right before I started the business. And so it wasn't like a, like they, they wanted anything. They didn't want to munch off of me, whatever. It was just really cool. And they were super motivating, um, super cool guys. I just was on the phone with them. Yeah. One of my buddies yesterday, I haven't seen him in a while, but um, super great guys. And they, we, they kind of started helping me uh, with the business. And then and as far as the like influencers and growing my network, Honestly, I hate to say it. It happened so naturally. It wasn't a strategic thing at all. But looking back at it, the, the strategy was kind of the like the FOMO creating FOMO because you, you know, you'll see these people, the, the same tactics that work, the same marketing tactics that work on, on anyone also work on famous people, also work on influencers. Like these are normal people. So when I'm making a ring for Dixie D'Amelio and Noah Beck, the next video, then all the influencers that are under them and maybe even some above them, if they look up to them, but all these 10 to 15, 20 million follower influencers, they're like, Oh, if he's making a ring for Dixie, I want him to make a ring for me. And then if I do make a ring for them, then that FOMO is, is relieved. And now they're excited. And so like, I mean, I, I need to make a list of all the, the influencers I made rings for, but I mean, I've, I've made rings for literally like every influencer that was popping in, in 2020, it was like, or on TikTok, at least like the, the TikTok. Circle community whatever and so like when I went to to VidCon it was like I, I I didn't even I didn't even show up with a pass when I went to VidCon I just showed up walked in the door and immediately I saw so many people I knew so many people I built connections with they got me a premium pass whatever all the lounges whatever and then I just met more people and so once it's like once you have enough connections then those connections feed into uh, more connections so then it was like Brent Riviera, who's got like 20, 50 million subscribers on YouTube, whatever it is. And then like, I just kept meeting all these people through all these people, but it never was, it never was a strategy thing. But now looking back at it, it was kind of like creating that desire, making them want something and then also giving them them a chance to get in, which was kind of that like responding to the comment. So it was like, it's so easy for them to drop a comment and it's so easy for me to make a video of them. And so it's like, it became this thing where it was just like, oh, they comment, I make a video. They comment, I make a video. I just, it just flowed. It just, it just flowed. I didn't, I didn't force anything. And I think that was, that was the reason it all worked out was it wasn't forced.
0: And, And I think people really need to listen to what you said again. So pause this and go back because it's different. A lot of people your age would simply try and monetize immediately. Hey, how much money can I make off this thing? But what you did was different by you simply just brought a ton of free value, did a bunch of work, but it grew so much brand equity. That over time people are happy to pay you for your services. And ultimately, you not worrying about the short-term profit turns into long-term sustainability. And so I love that. I'm a big believer in that as well. By doing, I don't know if you did the work for free, but like just, you know, like you simply, it was all about depositing value into these relationships that you didn't even know were going to foster. Maybe some people burned you, but the people that did really follow through and saw you in a good light and referred you to other people, it's so worth it, man.
1: Yeah, no, I I like that you said that. I actually didn't really even uh, noticed that too much, but it really, yeah, it was, I and mean, it was the same thing for me, you know, the same marketing tactics worked on me when they commented, I was like, oh, a famous person's commenting on my my video. I want to make a ring for them. Like the, the same psychology was, I was, I was the, it was the same reflection, but yeah, I mean, the, something that's, that's really interesting. So a lot of people here, you know, you know, a million or seven figures in the first, you know, 12 months. And the, the, the part that, besides the part of it being like, oh, that's cool that you built a, at 17, built a seven figure business. But the part that, that I'm more proud of is that I didn't pay a single dime for any marketing. I didn't pay an influencer to post. I never bought, I never paid for an ad at that time. I started getting into ads later, but I never paid for any marketing. And that's why, and that's why I'm actually I'm currently working on an agency around organic growth. I think there's so many agencies. That that they'll hop in and they'll start running ads. And now all of a sudden you're spending three, 5, 10k K a month on ads. And if it's doing good, great. But most of the time these ad agencies don't follow up with what um they're expecting from even personal experience. I've gone to three different ad agencies. And so yeah, and then so I kind of just got so focused on the organic growth side of things, going somewhere with that. But yeah, I I just I think it's it's just so important that it's oh yeah, not about the 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 sale thing. Like I never, I never I, I the influencers never asked me for money or whatever. And it's just it just felt so natural and it felt so organic and I, I liked it that way. And it it just
0: worked out. It's amazing, man. It it's super rare to to grow that organically. A product side of e-commerce, it's literally almost impossible at this point, right? And I believe in ads, but also doing it that way is unbelievable because over time it's so much more sustainable simply because ads are so linear. I pay a dollar and I get x back but eventually i'm subject to the cost of this advertising space over time as well so if the platforms choose to jack it up my cost to acquire over time is in, insane but if i do the organic route while the cost to acquire might be more sweat equity over time the brand equity that i grow lowers my cost of acquisition on the back end and then i can start to pour gasoline on the fire by using paid traffic yeah. so
1: i, well, I your natural. yeah and, and it's also like you got to think about how the relationship's created think about it like dating like Are and and I'm I'm not gonna say you know there's a lot of people nowadays on on dating apps. It's it's not for me, but like there's a lot of like it's the same way if if you meet someone naturally, just think about like a first date scenario. I'm not talking long term. Obviously, you can build a beautiful relationship with someone you meet online. I have I actually have. So, but I'm just thinking like I'm just talking the first date. So think about this in comparison to the influencer and 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 meeting people or even getting sales. Like think about it, ad versus it coming organically to their feed and then them applying or them going to your site. It's the same thing as dating where it's like, if you met someone at a coffee shop and you're like, Hey, you know, whatever, start raising them up. And then you get their number, you go out on a date versus finding someone on Tinder and like, Hey, let's go get a coffee. And then like that first date is just kind of awkward. It's uncomfortable, but like, they're kind of interested in you, whatever. That's how I kind of view ads to organic. It's like, if you can, if you can hook someone organically, those people are going to love you because it's, it's like, you didn't have to pay for their engagement. You didn't have to pay for their their viewership. It's like, they found you, they followed you, they bought because they wanted to, they liked you. They didn't see your ad 20 times. They're finally like, okay, I need this. So yeah. I just think it, it builds a better backbone with relationships and customers.
0: Great analogy, man. And as we near the wrap-up point here, what's the vision? Tell us about kind of where you're at today and what what you see this thing moving towards in the next five, 10 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a good wrap-up question. So for, first thing with the with the brand side of things, Brand Pierre, I don't know if this, if this uploads video, but yeah, so I currently, right now, I'm, I'm already in sample production. They just shipped. Uh, I want to expand into clothing, so I kind of want to. Have you ever heard of the brand represent? No, it's a UK, it's a UK company. So they have a really cool story. There's very few people I like look up to. I don't like, like, I'm, I'm not a big sports person. I, I, there's no one that if I saw them, I'd be starstruck. I would be like, hey, like, uh, I'm your biggest fan. Whatever. I, I'm not a fan of of. Of that type of lifestyle i don't know why it is it's just never was my thing but there's this guy george heaton and i bought his book when and when this brand hit 10 years uh it's a huge book it's called The decade of dedication and that was kind of i i when i looked through that that book and it's pictures it's stories it's everything that was when i decided i was okay no matter what i'm doing a decade of dedication and for me that is so i'm about i'm about to hit three years so no matter what, I'm sticking with Brand Pierre for seven more years. I want to see how far I can get this thing. I don't have any like this is how many. I'm not so focused on the number side of things. I'm focused on the impact. So so Brand Pierre, I'm expanding it into the, all sorts of jewelry and and clothing as well. More on the luxury streetwear side of things. If, if you can imagine like Brand Kith or Rude, like something like that. Where yeah, it's it's a little high end, a little bit pricier, but quality follows and. But what makes, what makes our brand different and what makes our, what's going to make our brand different, which I'm building right now, is this thing called Dreams in Action. And it's going to be a nonprofit organization that's connected to the brand where 20%, 15 to 20%, I haven't really decided, I got to do some math, but of the net profit is going to go back to the community to help them fulfill their dreams. So the entire brand, everyone that's buying into the brand is about dreams. So basically, just to give you a, a reference, let's say there's a kid, he's 16 years old. And he lives in Nebraska. His parents make nothing. He makes nothing. He obviously has no money. And he wants to become a musician. But he has no access to musicians. He has no access to anything except for YouTube videos, which is great. But you need a network. You need to know things from people in the industry. And you need a new guitar. You need an amplifier. You need this stuff. So what we would go in and people, when they buy, they have an option to apply into Dreams in Action. And every month, I want to get it to every week but just as far as speed wise, but every week, hopefully within the first few months of it launching, every week, we're going to pick a customer that has applied, and we're going to help them follow their dreams. And we're going to document the whole thing. So basically, let's this kid, for example, we'll hop on a call with him. And maybe the call is even live. If he wants to make it live, we can make it live and everyone can watch it. And basically, we'll go in, we'll ask him what he needs, what does he want, and then ask him why he wants it, what and then we'll give him advice as well. So then We'll get him a guitar. We'll get him an amplifier. I have connections to some huge musicians in L.A. Whatever. If we, and then as it keeps growing, we'll fly him out to L.A. Do a whole YouTube series with this kid practicing guitar with Aiden Bassett or with you know these indie indie rock mm. bands, whatever type of music he wants to get into. Um, and then that it's just it works out for everything. It's good for press. It's good for marketing. It's Good for the community. It's something I'm deeply passionate about, which is following your dreams. My bio and everything is is dream. I literally just my bio on Instagram. I think it's dreams in action now, just for it's kind of a hint at things I haven't really told a lot of people about it. But that's what I'm expanding the brand into is going to be it's going to be Brand Pierre dreams in action. And it's it's a community. I'm building my goal is to build a community around dreamers who not people that are just like, Oh, I want this lifestyle. That's why I said dreams in action. It's the people that want to take action and are actively pursuing their dream. Those are the people I want to surround myself with. Those are the people I want to buy my product. That's why I'm doing that. And and I know that it's hard for a lot of people to fulfill their dreams. That's why the backbone of it is that percentage and that time energy going into helping those people manually help fulfill their dreams.
0: Dude, I, I love it, man. I think, I think it's genius. One, just from like, it's just a good thing to do and it's really passionate. That's what entrepreneurship is all about. But also, I'm now more inclined to buy your product because I know part of the profit I can see that it's actually going to making this person's dream. It's not the Mormon way. It's not the 0.06% way of building the church. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm no offense to no offense. I'm just, I'm just no, not no, making no, a yeah, joke yeah. there, but you know, I, I love it, man. So with that, I know we can, we can end up talking for hours and I think we'll end up having to do another podcast, maybe in person. Eventually when we meet, oh, if yeah, you come down to Orlando, uh, we're here.
1: Um, I, I, probably, I, wish, I, I think it will be in September. Actually.
0: Hell yeah. Let's, let's definitely link up, man. But dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm excited to release this and any way that we can support, we are here for you, brother. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.